What is the self? Identity is such a tricky topic these days, especially with identity politics and the pressure through media to associate with inborn characteristics like your sex, your race, your preferences, your opinions. It's fun as a consumer to identify with thoughts and preferences and we're encouraged to develop our egos and to fully assert them, to describe our personal realities, our lived experiences, like this is the be all end all of human existence. And I think it's toxic. You'll hear how toxic it can be through the teachings of meditation and presence to be aware of the moment passing right now, to be here and present. It's tricky. It's damn harder than it sounds, actually. And it's no wonder that so many of us struggle with a sense of satisfaction in pure being. We're just simply not encouraged enough to be. We're encouraged to become and to acquire, to get things that we think we need when in fact we have and are everything that we want and need. It's in this spirit that I want to describe my experience in reading a book called A New Earth by German philosopher and writer Eckhart Tolle. This is a check-in of sorts with self-growth, if you will, uh, a self-help book, I suppose. Um, And I read it recently with a book club. Shout out to you guys. And I feel more whole, more relaxed with my quote self Having read this book and checking in again with this man's teachings, his other work includes uh, a book called The Power of Now, which I read like a decade ago, and I find it quite transformative, affirming and encouraging in ways that most books aren't, because it's just so often the case that we're encouraged, again, to identify with thought forms or to identify specifically with our feelings and to develop our sense of ego through these lived experiences. The ego is the enemy, actually. And I say that carefully, knowing how precious the ego is to so many of us. Of course, we enjoy choosing our own life paths and choosing what information and experiences and products and opinions to bring into our quote self now i i'll stop using the the quotes on the word self but i want to emphasize how illusory this idea is how made up quite frankly it is And for anybody that has spent time meditating or on retreat or even hallucinating on mushrooms or acid or ayahuasca or peyote or mescaline or has done any work in general on the mind to 
relinquish this identity with the self and the ego and instead to discover as an alternative the more grand truth behind the self the universal oneness that connects all things this is the very deep truth that so many religions try to point to of course religions get bogged down in dogma and ritual and uh, tradition and rules and the supernatural and the imaginary and it's why i like so many people eschew religion as a gateway into the spiritual life but of course for millennia this was the main way in nowadays we have alternatives we have a sort of spirituality disassociated from the major religions and so many of us can pursue that in the form of new age teachings and i think eckhart tolle would certainly fall under that but of course there are other ways to think of this stuff as energy as meditation these are words that eckhart tolle doesn't use but he might as well a new earth is a name derived from this idea of a new heaven from which arises a new earth the heavens come first because the heavens are the internal life and a new earth is the externalized form a new earth is this implication that once we all go through a transformation of consciousness we can bring about the healthier change we wish to manifest in the world now this is tricky to discuss because it's a mixture of very solid concrete things like clock time where we make plans in the world with a calendar versus a more uh, diffuse and ambiguous sense of language discussing things like the non-existence of time how there is no future or past there is only now and there is always only now now that's hard to get one's mind around right because of course even as i record this podcast speaking into this microphone i am always in the present and yet this does take time time passes as i speak and as you listen and yet every single moment is now there is no future or past in terms of lived experience now this is a really important point that eckhart makes because so many of us do live too much in our own minds in the past and in the future and this is where depression and anxiety stem we let the regrets and the uh, sorrows of our past overwhelm our current mindset or we let the uncertain uh, fears and anxieties of the future creep in and it's these are all ways that make it difficult but very important to be comfortable with the present moment and that is truly all happiness is is a relationship a healthy relationship with here and now and i find this very encouraging i feel somewhat inspired and relieved to know that i can just unburden myself with darker heavier thoughts by simply checking in with the current moment by breathing 
This is not something, again, specifically espoused in this book. This is something that wise people encourage everywhere all the time to breathe, to be aware of the breath, to feel the sensation of air entering and leaving the body because this process helps detach our minds from the relentless excesses of anxious thinking. Every thought you have is a cloud passing and it forms mysteriously and then dissipates. And it's important to not identify with those clouds as your thoughts, but to instead step away and above your own mind and watch yourself thinking. Watch these thoughts as entities not unto you, but in the ether, and that the true you, yourself, is actually more like the awareness of the process of thinking. Whenever you realize, what was I just thinking about? Or whenever you think to yourself, oh, that's a funny thought. Where did that come from? I'm just watching it. I'm not identifying with it. You don't have to believe everything you think. You can choose to simply observe thoughts as you think them. And it's the same with feelings. Feelings are simply a, uh, an emotional response to thoughts. And these don't have to define us as who we are as people. Ultimately, ultimately speaking, there is just one universal consciousness and we just happen to experience it with our limited brains as us, as our thoughts, as our anger, as our sadness, as our love, as our appreciation of something. But actually, I think, you know, like the Greek gods, the Greeks had this more correct, that there is a sort of god of love, a god of war, a god of partying, and that these spirits land in our bodies and we simply have the, uh, the pleasure or pain of sharing in this kind of universality. I find it beautiful and it just, it makes me slow down and think that my life really is nothing but a conduit into a grand universal oneness. That's what this book really aims to espouse, to encourage us to disconnect from this sense of self that we define as the ego and to let go of those things. Here I am trying to describe this sort of grand truth, but as this author says many times, words are an imperfect way of achieving this awareness because words merely point to the thing. There is no way to fully formulate this grandness of consciousness, this universal oneness through language. And again, anyone that has taken a hallucinogen knows this. There is a very deep intrinsic satisfaction to seeing the world for what it truly is to see the interconnectedness of everything and to realize that our thoughts 
simply segment the world the way that our vision works as well that we envision the world as solid structures as finite forms when in fact anyone that studies physics understands atoms and empty space make up the the vastness of everything and it's merely our limited perceptions that keep us from seeing this truth but when we somehow do get a glimpse of it through a heightened experience it bathes us in this overwhelming joy of a true sense of being in touch with the universe and i'm not sure if i can teach this i think eckhart tolle does a a very able job communicating the need for everybody to get there but if you are stubborn and stuck in your worldview it might be difficult it's fair enough the world doesn't make it any easier for us to see past these things we're very much again encouraged to somehow stay stuck in the matrix if you will and it's very addictive to grab on to our own specific pleasures the thought forms that we are so proud of engaging in but there's so much more out there there really is a an invisible world the spiritual world open to us at all times and a point this author makes again and again is that it's right there to be had to be seen right now at every moment it's not something that you have to study first to practice and try and ramp up and and jump into later it's literally there right now all you have to do is blink and breathe and see it but again i'm not quite sure how to show that to you i know that it has been kind of quixotically a lifelong effort for me to get there and for me to learn how to see a thing it's kind of like a magic eye poster it's just a change in the vision you're looking at a thing but then you just look at it different and the world is like that of course the dailiness of life is there for anyone to behold at every moment but a poetic soul happens to have a different glance at it i'm not sure exactly how to put that into words it's just a certain mode of being that a touched soul has access to and i think it's probably different for everybody but an example that eckhart tolle uses in the beginning of his book is that of a flower to to truly stop and smell the the roses for instance to truly remark at the 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 beauty of a flower that serves no other purpose but to be beautiful beyond the purposeness of plants themselves that the universe plays and creates these these moments these acts of 
joy and love and satisfaction and that it's always there to behold. It's a freeing feeling to recognize that it's not I who is happy. It is I who acknowledges the happiness that is always there. It is not I that is sad and depressed today. That sadness and depression is part of the oneness of the universe, the yin-yang of all reality. If that lands in my body today, it doesn't have to overtake me because, again, I can step back and recognize it as a passing cloud, you know, a dense amount of uh, humidity that accumulates and rains down, but that it passes and that I am more the witness of it passing than I am the cloud itself. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's practiced by Zen Buddhists. It's practiced by uh, secular humanists. It's practiced by uh, yogis and casual meditators alike. This is simply a truth that's always there for anybody to access and any kind of language can get you there any religion you you must strip away the dogma and a belief system that is not the same thing this is about a heightened consciousness um pulling back the curtain of the noise of our society and recognizing that heaven is a mindset that hell is not some supernatural place that we go but rather a doomed mindset developed by sinful thinking to sin is to miss the mark it's not to act in some sort of deviant way it's simply to miss the point of living what is the purpose of life we all wonder it is that. The purpose of life is life. The purpose of life is to become one with life itself and to recognize that it's in you and that you have it. Or rather, life isn't something you can have. It's something that you are. Again, the truth is simple. It's not something complex and mysterious. Perhaps it's mysterious, but deceptively so. Our cluttered modern minds make it difficult, but it's right there to see that everything is everything, and your brain is an access point to it if you can only declutter it. It's not about learning specific techniques per se, Though again, meditation practices do help. The act of breathing, the act of seeing your thoughts pass by without identifying with them. It's simply that we become so inundated with noise that we forget how connected we all are. It's like when you have an argument with a friend. You've each decided somehow, maybe subconsciously, to identify with your side and your ego cannot let go 
of the side it's chosen to identify with, such as the case with politics and sports and anything else. But in reality, there are no sides. There are always infinite arguments and ways of seeing, but it's all the same thing. And I find it very freeing to be able to let go of arguments, to let go of antagonisms with people in my life, knowing that I don't need to get caught up in this. That's the problem of the ego, choosing to identify with a side, to become the thought form that you've randomly picked. It's unnecessary, and it doesn't make us happy. We confuse our love for specific things with a sense of truth that isn't actually there. Your sports team is not the truth. It's one of many sports teams. The act of engaging with a team, of linking your daily life with something greater than you, is an endeavor as old as time that people like to do. But that doesn't mean that it's you. You are simply the conduit it takes the shape of right now in, that, in this very moment. And as you die, it's still there. It finds other conduits. There are great universals of every certain emotion and idea and we try to give them form but we do not own them i do not own the ideas that i'm espousing right now they are speaking through me if you will and i think we can say that without sounding too mystical or uh, rooted in some sort of imaginary world this is not imaginary it is the real world of consumerism, capitalism, uh, politics, and religion. These are imaginary things. We've collectively imagined them, and we play the game of them for a purpose to obviously attend to the physical needs on Earth. But the economy is made up. Uh, political parties are made up. Sports teams are made up. Uh, fashion is made up, and they all are poor excuses of identity that merely point to things that in our mind do make sense. But again, these thoughts segment reality. They break a flowing universal truth into bite-sized pieces this is vexing. This is not how our brain truly connects. And I think a man like Eckhart Tolle is doing a great job espousing wisdom by reminding us that the world isn't as disconnected as it looks. It is simply the training of our eyes and minds that sees it that way. And we have to unlearn so much of that it's all connected. 
Well, I'll leave it there. I'm not sure how else to go about trying to describe the importance of accessing these this sense of oneness. But it is here, it is now, it is whatever you are doing at the time that matters. The past and the present don't, those are ideas. Only right here and now is real. So that's that. <laughs> um, it's a continued conversation, I hope, with each other. Uh, my book club has spent many hours going over this and uh, I'm excited to continue that kind of dialogue in the pursuit of a new earth that starts with a new heaven within all of us. Until next time. Ciao.